0: The future of photography. Exploring the ways new technology can help you make fantastic photos.
1: Hey, and all welcome. This is The Future of Photography. My name is Chris. And my name is Aid. And here we are this week. Uh, we're going to talk about pixels this week, I think. That's a that's a topic you prepared, and I do have some opinions about pixels. And <laughs> well, think, I'm
0: very glad to hear it, <laughs> and I think you do too. So let's let's uh, kick this off. You you researched uh, pixels. How? What? Why? Let's.
1: Well, why? Yes, good. How? What? Why? Uh, those are all good questions. So <laughs> I yeah, you know, um, I mean, I didn't go back to the dawn of the pixel. I didn't go back to the Apollo program. You mean or anything back like then like when
0: they made pixels out of rocks?
1: <laughs> yeah, they chiselled them, and yeah, so so none of this nonsense about deeper pixels in an iPhone in those days. A pixel was a pixel. <laughs> and you've got a handful of them at most. <laughs> so now we're not going back that far. Actually the the aim of today's show is to talk about lots of pixels and what we can do with lots of pixels. It's interesting because this whole idea of of having an extraordinary amount of pixels and, uh, and you know it goes goes back quite a long way actually. At this point it, it is of course you know a good couple of decades um but I I did pick up in my research one science article, a you know, proper science report from from about 2005. Um, uh, that says, you know, oh, well, what can we do with pixel shifting? So I thought, well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I, I know about cameras now that move their pixels, and they started off with companies like Olympus moving a pixel to help with uh, image stabilization, you know, to, to give you a couple of stops. So of they would
0: moved the entire sensor there. back and forth.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I think uh, probably Pentax and Olympus are are the best known examples of that uh, at this point. Um, but of course, a lot of manufacturers, um, you know, they, they have in-body image stabilisation or IBIS, uh, as it's called. Um, and then there are some that actually moved to make higher resolution files because of that. And at, and at that point, we have to mention olympus again um you know olympus primarily making micro four-thirds sensors these days so so quite small really uh in in the world of of good quality sensors but they now move them around it's something like eight movements on an olympus sh- uh, an olympus sensor shift to generate a 40 megapixel pixel so, file
0: so so the way this works is that that when you take the photo and you have this and en- this enabled i think you have to enable it um, the, sen- the, the camera's taking multiple pictures with the sensor slightly moved for each of the pixels uh, for each of the individual photos and then it kind of combines them is that how it works?
1: Uh, yeah it is and and of course that it helps then if you're on a tripod uh, <laughs> because you don't want the camera to move as well as the sensor inside the camera to move because otherwise none of the maths will work um but my understanding of how the olympus cameras work is that they take eight photographs moving the, the sensor a little bit each time and that generates something like uh, something above sixty megapixels worth of information, but then all the maths and the algorithms in the camera crunch that down to a a, re- a very generous uh, and very high rate. So uh, yeah, that's that's quite something. That is that's quite some special technology there, um, and uh, I think that gave Olympus a little bit of an edge for a while. But of course these days most manufacturers now have high resolution sensors so sony canon nikon so pentax 40 megapixels again. is pretty
0: much uh, it's almost standard for for the for the higher end cameras these
1: days, it, it is, and and you know, and your full frame DSLRs now can get up towards the bottom level of uh, your medium format sensors. So you can get a, a Canon Five DS, I think, with something like fifty megapixels, mm-hmm. which is kind of the entry level for a Hasselblad or a Phase One, <laughs> you know, albeit in a different box. Uh, but they of course go up to hundred megapixels on a sensor now, which is quite a lot of data. <laughs> That is, yeah that, that that's a lot to chew on uh, especially for the
0: for the for the box that has to take care of those pixels later on the computers um kind of have to grow with what the cameras deliver.
1: Uh, yeah, because those are delivering in a single image file as well. So, so that that that's all in one hit, as it were. But, but you know, there's a bit of me that you know, there's this whole sort of yeah going on in my head right now because I'm like, wow, gigapixels. Let's well, think about what happens when you stitch tons and tons of these proper sized pixel yeah you know, count images together. Well, bigger, um, bigger numbers. Um, I think marketing likes bigger numbers for sure. They,
0: they help sell.
1: Well and and you know we've all experienced for the last 20 years or more haven't we the megapixel race you know it used to be 6 million pixels and everybody thought that was enormous and i think um the you know to the, even today for you know for print magazines things like uh, national geographic i think their standard minimum uh, resolution is somewhere around 6 megapixels today um which you know quite a long way below uh, i don't think you could buy a 6 megapixel camera uh, at the moment it's- but uh, let's go let's go let's forget about megapixels mega yeah, that's that's history that ancient history megapixels what we're going to talk about is gigapixels no. a number so big it has its own wikipedia page <laughs> okay gigapixel, gigapixels okay a photo with over one billion pixels and i'm trying not to do uh, my doctor <laughs> evil impression <laughs> <Billion>. <laughs> but it's really hard not to <laughs> okay so let's say so let, let you know to, to, to help make some sense of what a bit a, a, a bit a billion pixels actually is um that a bit it, it's actually a thousand megapixels so if you've got uh, as i do a fairly average camera which has about 16 megapixels in it um 10 times as many pixels as the top of the range phase 100 megapixel camera so you know we're talking about a lot of pixels here and uh, so much so, of course, that actually you can't buy a, a production camera that that has these. There are some super science cameras, I think, that have them now, uh, but I suspect they're attached to large telescopes in the mountains above or, South America or something.
0: Or they are part of uh, detectors inside the Large Hadron Collider and kinds of this kind of stuff is pretty much the same technology as camera sensors, and they might have more pixels. But that is, yeah, very big. Big uh, machines and very s- highly scientific applications there.
1: Yes, but the good news is is that there are ways that people like uh, either by buying or, or uh, I guess, renting a kit. So what we're talking about here is gigapixel images. Let's talk about how you make a gigapixel image with a normal camera. Um, typically, um, there are a lot of photos stitched together. And when I say a lot, that could be, well, if, you, if you're if you shooting 50 megapixels at a time and you need a thousand is that 20 images well and you have to count for some
0: overlap and um, for for the stitching and then you will take lots of pictures like like lots of tiles and then some software stitches that's right
1: that's absolutely how it works, and that's how you get. Uh, well, that's how you get um, forty-five gigapixels or ninety gigapixels. You know, you get a couple of hundred images from a, a top-of-the-range uh, digital. Have a proper set of equipment to make that work. So, um, what you can get is you can get. Uh, tripod heads that are computerised and will move very precisely and accurately um, and then what you, you you're putting your camera onto one of those uh, you can then set it say you say okay well I want my top left shot to be over here and I want my bottom right shot to be over there and if you could just please Mr. Computerised tripod head if you could just shoot all the ones in the middle that would be great <laughs> you know? mm. Yeah, so but then you've got to have really clever software so if you cut yeah so what happens if somebody's walking along because you'll be you could be taking photographs by the way you use very long lenses for this so i should have said that maybe up front so you could use maybe a 400 millimeter lens or or longer and so what you get is a huge amount of detail so what you start off with something that on a computer screen you would look like a normal photo but you can drill into it and drill into it by clicking on it and click on it and click on it and click on it and and you can get right in deep um, and they do that by using very long lenses. But then you've got to have really clever software because it could cut people in half or trees that are blowing in the wind or vehicles. Oh, you mean that things move that move between that. the different frames? Yeah, that's right. And I think we've all had probably some accidents when we've been shooting panoramas on our phones. I mean, I know I have where you have somebody whose legs are in one part of the photo and then there's or, a sort of smear in their heads in another Sausage-shaped part. people. Yeah, sausage-shaped <laughs> people. Always good fun. <laughs> Uh so so there is quite a lot of, of sophisticated software that works these and what I'm going to do is um uh, going to put some uh, links in the show notes to some examples of these pictures. Uh, I guess many people who are listening to this show may have seen these things before but I picked out a few that I liked. Uh there was a quite a a, a famous one from last year uh which was uh, a shot of some lightning over New York. Um, So that yeah and and that was that was um, there's a story that goes along with that if you if you follow the link there.
0: But Um, how could this this be a a stitched photo with lightning that. that So do you want me to
1: say or would you like to go and read the story.
0: uh, Yeah probably I probably have to read the story because that is that doesn't sound like it's possible to do that because the lightning is not not there all the time
1: no that that one was actually a lot of um post-production work Ah. that went into it so the original shot was um was simply a single image that captured the lightning um and it was it was such a great image that the photographer went back later (laughs) and did all of the very detailed gigapan stitching gigapixel i should say stitching um uh, and then and then morphed it all together um have, have a look um uh, because some of these things are awesome and you can drill in and drill in and drill in and to a point where you 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 never think you could get any more detail and yet suddenly it's it's still there uh and uh, one of the one of the um one of the links in the show notes is it says 10 jaw-dropping gigapixel photos and you know what for once that's not actually clickbait it's it's right Although, to tell you the truth, this this show took me a lot longer than our other ones to research because I just got lost in some of these things and had a great time.
0: So to to look at them online, you can't just download a gigapixel image to your computer. It would be way too big to download. Um, So as I understand it, there are viewers that you will use um, on those pages to zoom into them and to pan around in them.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and and a bit like you have a viewer for uh, a 360 degree shot or something like that. So, um, you know, you, you can drill into it and drill into it, but you, you can never download the whole thing in one go, because, as you say, yeah, it, it there just isn't um, the, the bandwidth to do that. So. So, again, even even viewing these these images, they're so big, even viewing them requires special, sophisticated software um and so you know it's um i yeah i could talk about all of these um uh for, for ages all the things i've seen yeah some some great stuff um but uh i'm i'm gonna stop talking about that because it doesn't make a lot of sense on the radio does it really
0: <laughs> yeah and i think i think we have to we have to wrap this around to the question that that we ask in pretty much every episode what does that mean for us for the photographers for the future of photography
1: well, that is the thing, isn't it? What does that mean for us? And and you're right, actually. This is becoming a theme in all our shows, isn't it? So we're now at show number six, and we've been promising everybody we'd sort out what we were going to talk about, weren't
0: we? Well, and it, it is about the future photos. So, so having having these pictures, and they are more and more automated. There are machines that do them now. So there are special panning heads that can pretty much uh, almost unattendedly take these photos. Um, So having these available, what are the things that that we would use them for?
1: So so let's go with something really uh, obvious right now um, is uh, and that's simply uh, being able to create good quality photos, uh, regardless of whether or not you have the right camera or lens with you. Um, And so, you know, simply by cropping, um, which you know, has consequences. We all know, but if you're starting off with an enormous number of pixels, then cropping has fewer consequences for reducing the quality of your image. So, uh, and actually, there's there's a thing that I was doing at the weekend, uh, which um, I, I was uh, trying some stuff out. Um, well actually, which will probably um, feature more prominently in another show in a week or two's time. Uh, but what I was doing was shooting uh, just. Um, you know, portrait snapshots around the house and we were out and about and things like that um, and then printing them to my little Fuji Instax printer so my main digital camera is a Fuji um and in there you have um uh, raw conversion stuff so you can shoot a raw photo or a jpeg and then you can crop it and do other things to it but specifically i was cropping it to something that would make sense on a little instax mini print and then uh my camera talks directly wirelessly to the printer um and so you can just choose on the menu in the camera print and it comes out um and you can really crop in quite tightly which of course you need to do on instax because it's quite small so you need to have a tight crop and that worked really really well so having more pixels there on my camera really helped my output of the photograph so that's definitely i think you know use use case number one for these things is you, you've got much more choice over the composition of your photograph when you have you when you want to output it whatever the uh, whatever the uh the format of that output or the medium of that output um and it also gives you a lot more uh to play with when you uh, maybe have the wrong camera with you <laughs> or the wrong lens so def- definitely that's something to do with it um, I think uh, another use, um, apart from just being an absolute time sink where I can, <laughs> where I can get happily lost for, for a very long time. As a time.
0: viewer or as a photographer, because uh, you don't t- take those shots in one picture. You will uh,
1: it's, a, it's, a, it's a lengthy process to make those at this point. Uh, it, it is. It is. But you think about the, ne- the amount of engagement. So think about it from a photographer's point of view, but not the capture, but actually what happens when you publish that photo. Because right. another thing that you know, I have found is that when I look at these things, I'm spending far more time on an individual image because there's so much more information in it. So where's Waldo's do- picture, Right. Yeah, there's an element there's definitely an element of that to it um definitely an element of that but actually as a photographer if you're trying to give uh your audience or your your viewers um a a much more rich experience i think you know there is an argument that these gigapixel cameras sorry gigapixel photographs can provide for that i mean uh, have you ever lost 30 minutes in these things uh a couple of times yes i have so there you go even work even works on a, a an experienced photographer like her.
0: <laughs> no it is it is fascinating to go and and search for things in those photos and uh some of them i think even have like a little collection of the secrets that can be found in the shot and then you can go to the the respective coordinates and, and i don't know see the person practicing the violin on their in the backyard or something
1: Yes, yes, and of course, all of these pe- all of these people are included in a very candid way because yeah, the camera could be a mile away, so <laughs> they're, uh, and, and not, often- they're not aware that they're being photographed. And often they are
0: taken from a higher vantage point, so you can kind of look into people's backyards.
1: Uh, if that's what floats your boat, mate, you go for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying this is what I like, um, but it, that's that's the way a lot of these photos are set up.
1: It is, yeah. So often from the top of a hill or a tall building or something, because uh, that's the only way you can you can see detail for such a long way. Um, Because if you were at ground level, then buildings and trees would very quickly get in your way and you'd have very little to to look at. Although I have seen uh, gigapixel images of um, things like... um, paintings in art galleries so here's another use case for you this is something that people are already doing but but not in a in a consumer kind of a way so if you're an art historian or you, or you work for a museum or you want to preserve something that's uh, that's very uh maybe it's very fragile or maybe it's uh maybe it's to, to it's difficult to to for people to get to see it so it's a way of, of helping other people around the world to see amazing works of art um some of these images you go right in and you can see the uh yeah the the grains of paint almost and certainly the brush strokes if you really want to get into these paintings um and so that's that's a, a really it's a good way of uh of keeping i don't know keeping hold of really old stuff that may not last much longer physically
0: hmm. i'm i'm wondering and that might be an entirely different episode if uh, especially with paintings that have not just a color on a plane, but they have structure. The brush strokes have structure, three-dimensional structure. Um, I wonder if there and I'm pretty sure there is already technology out there that uh, will actually digitize those those photos in uh, 3D fashion. So you have the entire relief of of the entire picture.
1: That'd hmm. be pretty awesome. Yeah, and then like we take a, a, gig,
0: a gigapixel 3D, a gigavoxel 3D scan. How about that?
1: That's yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Is that Step built into next my thing. next
0: phone? <laughs> uh, probably, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's definitely a, a topic for a future episode.
1: It it, it is. So the, it is. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we. You know, I've heard a lot. And actually, you know, you started this show by saying that we both had some opinions about pixels. um, And, you know, for many years, I've thought, you know what? You know, this isn't working for me. I don't need 24 megapixels. I don't need 36 megapixels. And you know what? I don't. Um, And I'm quite happy with my 16 megapixel camera. If that's what it's got, I don't even really know how many pixels my camera has. Um, That's because I don't need to know. I know lots of things about my camera, but I might be wrong on how many. Yeah, it has has a sufficient. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, if you gave me 10 times as many or a hundred times or a thousand times as many pixels to play with, I'm sure I could be fairly creative. Um, I'm sure I could, uh, you know, uh, create some, especially you uh, quite abstract pictures. You know, if you take a picture of somebody's face and you could, you, know, you could zoom into a particular part of it, you know, yeah, I don't know maybe I do a series scary. of images. <laughs> it does a little bit, doesn't it? Maybe I do a series of images of people's ears or something shot at the distance. <laughs> a gigapixel image of someone's ear. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Mm. Do you know what when you say it like that i could probably think of a few reasons why i shouldn't but there you go um but so th- i think this is one of those things which is uh, i i i have two opinions at the same time that are contradictory um i have an opinion that actually i ha- i don't need any more pixels in my camera thank you very much but i also have an opinion that actually if i was given so much more then i could do so much more and i guess you know a lot of this stuff is you 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 get evolution don't you rather than revolution in the way that technology uh, develops so maybe i should relax about having too many pixels in my camera today because it's also not enough i don't know what do you think oh i'm i'm
0: of two minds on this myself because i know that the resolution of photos is always a function of the resolution that you need um good example is billboards in the united states along the highways or along the interstates, um, that you never look at them close up. You will always be at a minimum distance from them. That's just the way they work, and you will be moving when you when you pass them. So the resolution of them doesn't have to be big. When, when, with a billboard photo, we are talking five megapixels, maybe, probably less. They have like it's 12, 15 dots per inch. That's no resolution whatsoever. So that is one of the of the areas where resolution is not, important at all um even even photos that cover an entire skyscraper big houses that have like a big promotional picture on them uh what again we're talking five ten ten megapixels maybe that you need for that but again a lot of pixels i'm a, i'm a nerd deep <laughs> deep in my heart <laughs> i am I'm, I'm i'm happy with having more possibilities as well sometimes i have to force myself to not overdo things but uh, a reduction or an increase both have their merits. So I'm, yeah, I'm torn and I'm, I'm like you. I don't, I I think the camera that I use has 30 something megapixels and I've always found that is more than I need that box down my laptop when I'm traveling. (laughs) So, uh, and I don't want to buy a new one. So um, it, it, yeah, it, I I don't have a, a, a set opinion that is the right way to go or not but i think we can safely say one thing the megapixel race is not over definitely not over it will continue um the the electronics will get better the sensors will get better there will be there will be squeezing more megapixels in and only if for better well for better marketing to have a higher number somewhere
1: (laughs) oh you old cynic you
0: (laughs) I think that is one of the reasons for the development.
1: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I mean, clearly it is, uh, especially in the earlier days of digital cameras. I mean, if you think back to I mean, it's quite a long time ago now, but if you think back to sort of 10, 15 years ago, actually, the, the number of pixels your camera had made a really big difference yeah you know, and it's not so long ago that that the number of pixels made a really big difference in, in the quality but i think you know the the that that technology is maturing somewhat now isn't it so so maybe maybe it slows down for a bit and then maybe we get an enormous step change and then we can do some really fun stuff
0: well there's there's a uh, technology that is now um that has now been bought by apple which is called quantum dot uh Technology—it's a new type of sensor, a new type of thin sensor that has more dynamic range and possibly better resolution. Um, that's now in Apple's lab somewhere, so we won't see any of that for quite a while, <laughs> Never I guess. to be seen
1: again, yeah. <laughs> um, or
0: or or to be seen in uh, some products. But I think we're not—definitely not—at the end of the development here. There will be new technologies. There will be different technologies. We could even go into how. Uh, how the picture is split up into red, green, and blue pixels, and how those are um, how those are combined using mathematics to create a picture and how that influences the the megapixel count and i mean if you if you have a forty me- megapixel camera, it means it has ten megapixels of blue pixels, ten megapixels of red pixels, and twenty megapixels of green pixels, and then they combine them and out comes a photo that. Uh, is... Not really a forty megapixel photo, but that goes way too deep now.
1: <laughs> no, well, it does. Except, of course, it is one of the things going back to marketing that actually Pentax have have done. Um, Pentax uh, that with their sensor shift technology, actually, it moves the sensor uh, so that you can make sure that all of the pixels actually right. have all three colours
0: by just one of the little sub pixels, pretty much. Yeah,
1: it, yeah. So, so it, it's there, and you know, there 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 are there are things go- there are things going on. I tell you what tell you what we might do um uh one of the most innovative uh things i saw in my research for this show uh which um kind of boggled my mind actually and i still can't quite figure out how they did it um was that uh was i think is something that we should sign out with um it's and everybody should go look so this is um this is called a gigapixel time machine <laughs> okay okay uh-huh so uh which which combines this enormous high resolution imagery with time lapse now i don't quite know how they shoot that because time lapse in its own right is is a series of images that shows movement over time Uh, and often you'll get a lovely sunrise or a sunset or or the, the the lights coming on in the city but uh have a look everybody at the uh the link in our show notes uh, which is called the time machine uh, image of vancouver harbor and show and it actually is a time lapse over uh, with a gigapixel element to it and so you can still zoom into it and see all these things moving around and yet it's happening over time as well so how they took those photographs i do not know um but it's definitely something that I got lost in for quite a long time. It's definitely um, a good example of of, of an a- an answer to our question of so where will all this technology take guess, us? Guess why I have gone so quiet for the last minute? <laughs> See, you're doing <laughs> it. See, just, this is the thing, isn't it? This is plainly so, amazing. You know, and how you? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's like a magic
0: trick, and the only question you you want is want answered is how did they do that?
1: Oh, see, see, was it Einstein that said that any sufficiently advanced technology is akin to magic? Was it Einstein that said that? I forget. Anyway, before anybody checks and proves me to be completely incorrect on that, I think we should sign out of this show and say that is the future of photography at least it's one expression of the future of photography and i have had so much fun researching this show and uh, chris is well, chris can we get you to say goodbye or are you too busy lost in that image
0: uh, yeah um uh, yeah Th- thanks thanks <laughs> thanks adrian and uh, thanks everyone for listening take care until next time bye-bye
1: okay cheers bye-bye